Hello there, Nicola Barden here from Q102's Weekend Buzz. I hope you are all doing really well and thank you so, so much for pressing play today to listen to this episode. Before I let you listen to the whole thing, I just have a little bit of news for you. So if you're a fan of the Weekend Buzz or this is the first time you've ever listened to it, amazing and thank you and scroll back. We've got over 70 episodes there. So there's some great chats for you to listen to from the likes of the cast of SVU, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Grey's Anatomy, loads of stuff, some amazing singers, reality stars, great in-depth conversations for you to enjoy and I know that's what you're here for so that's why I have to tell you my news I have rebranded the show and it is now strictly podcast so it's no longer on radio it is just podcast and it goes under the name tis yourself so do come and find us we're on um, Instagram and Twitter and obviously all the places that you're listening to podcasts so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, Good Pods, Spotify we are there I am there with my over 50 guests, fantastic guests. You're going to love some of them. They're absolutely amazing. So we've got some of the cast from like Games of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Yes, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? Uh, Some amazing singers like Shane Ward, Matt Cardle are there. We have the actor Jerry O'Connell, who had some surprising roots to Ireland, you won't believe. We have... The likes of Tom Lenk from Buffy, who played Andrew. Um, if you're Irish, you'll know the names James Patrice, Trisha's Transformation, Tommy Fleming, the Nolan family. There's loads and loads of stuff in there. We've Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks. We've got some cast of EastEnders. So there's a real mix of Irish, UK, US guests. And we're just adding to them every single day. We're getting some new guests. Season four is just about to be launched. So come and join me. I'm over here waiting for you to discover me. That's Tiz Yourself with me, Nicola Barden. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Anthony on the phone right now. Anthony, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Nicola? I'm good. I'm good. I am very excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this all week because I am, um, I suppose I'm a new Peaky Blinders fan. I've only started, I only started watching it this year. So I'm one of those strange people that didn't watch it from the start. Oh, good. Yeah. That's always good to hear. Yeah. So you came in this year. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) I did. Yeah, I did. Um, It's been, it's taken, well, it's 16 months essentially from when I started um, <clears throat> making season five to where we are now. So I finished I finished making the season about three weeks ago. I finished the last episode just before, before the first one went out or maybe the first one had started, something like that. Oh, so you're still so working on it long. as they're airing, like? Uh, just the beginning, yeah. Mm. We went over slightly... <clears throat> because it's quite detailed, and that um, the finale episode, when when you do see it, it's um, it's quite it's quite big on every level. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in it, and uh, the end is um, is uh, is quite amazing, I think. So it took a lot of work just to get get it right. Um, so that's what what I was doing, and uh, yeah, it's a long, long process. It's a huge commitment. <clears throat> to uh, to make to do something like that and um it's it's fully involved on every level and then i pretty much dovetailed straight i actually left what i was doing on the end i was in a mix and i left the mix um and then i walked over to a meeting um about the next season oh my god so you're already thinking that strange that's weird you're like i've only yeah. just wrapped five <clears throat> Yeah, and I have been for that. That had started maybe 
two months prior to that. It was actually approving a master is what I was doing. I was watching the master of episode six. And then I left that viewing and then I went over to uh, a script meeting for, for the, the next season. And I just, I was walking across Soho and I was just going, Jesus, this is mental. Yeah, like I have, I can't even take a few days to kind of get out of season five mode, and I'm already planning ahead the next year or so of my life. Yeah, and we had to do, we had to do it that way because uh, then shortly after that we all did take a break because we were all kind of slightly burnt out, and it was nice then to sort of be around London because they had this really fantastic um, poster campaign, which I know they had online, and I, I don't know if they did anything in in Dublin or around Ireland, but they had this uh, fan art that was um, uh, that came about through a competition and then they put them on billboards on the tube and around town. And uh, so it was nice to be around for that and not be away somewhere else working. I saw them on Instagram. They're amazing. Yeah, really, really cool. I thought it was a, it was a really clever idea whoever came up with it. And the artists who won the competition were um, were definitely the right people. And it was, it was a really clever way to go. So... Yeah, it was good. And um, how did you come into this season? Because, you know, there, there's... I know Stuart Carlin did last year and then the couple of years before there was somebody else. David Caffrey. Yeah, so all the all the Irish are representing here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had got a call about doing it, like, a, a while ago and I wasn't available and I thought then it might have gone away and they came back um, to see if I would do this season and um, and I jumped at it because I've been a fan of the show since it began um, and I just felt like it was um, they were characters and it was a world that in some way I understood and I knew that I would be able to step into it and bring something new to it um, and that was really the, the challenge you know it had just won the BAFTA for best show and um, you know there was a lot of pressure to kind of take it in a different direction do something new with it mm. um, you know I enjoy that personally so you know just sort of sit down and figure it out and after a conversation with the the, the execs and I did a I did a, a phone call with Killian and then we all agreed to get on with it and um, and then the process really began from there because it is it's a t- it's a tough thing to pick up after there's been four successful series and then go to make your own mark on it as well not just kind of go well it's been successful this way let's just continue down that road but to actually make it your own yeah that, that they're really happy and you're happy follow on I think when you do after four seasons of something it's it's established and it's there and it exists and it has a style but if you continue to do that it starts to dilute because the show is sort of reaching a kind of zeitgeist and cultural and critical apex and so with everybody else's support I had certain things that I wanted to do with it and Steve Knight had uh, taken it back to it being more like a character piece and it was more about the darkness of Tommy Shelby's psyche and his psychology mm. and so that that alone was different to what had gone before because the previous season <clears throat> was almost like um, it was like a payoff to the audience because you had had one to three, but you hadn't had that fourth season where it was really gangsters, you know, running and shooting at each other. Yeah. Um, for the entire for the entire season, and it was done really well. But you can't sort of do that again. You have to take it in another direction. So that's what I wanted to do um, visually, and then Steve wanted to do that in in his writing, and he himself just keeps raising uh, the bar, and I really don't know how he does it and maintains that level and that standard and actually surpasses what has gone before. Yeah, there's been some great like some great scenes already that Steve obviously has written and you obviously have directed, but that you kind of go, it's like the end of every season, you go, where can they go from here? And yet it goes bigger. Like last year with the, the likes of the Adrian Brody coming in and the um, American-Italian side. And this year yet, it's a diff- completely different angle that we're gone and you're like, how do they keep coming up with this stuff? Yeah, I, I, well, we, we all say the same. 
you know, and I think that's the genius of Steve's uh, writing. But I mean, that's the reason he is a, an A-list screenwriter, and he he's able to do that stuff. And his um, his understanding of the Shelbys and of that world from his own experience um, and his family's past, and also the mythology that he's created allows him to really go in any direction. And um, I think this, the rise of fascism was something that was, uh, you know, going on, going on in our, in our real lives and in everyone's minds, you know, we're mm-hmm. all sort of keenly aware of it. And so he wanted to explore that and the corruption of power and really to uh, find an antagonist that, um, that Tommy Shelby uh, couldn't defeat with, um, with guns, you know, and, and excessive force of violence, you know. Yeah, he he. Um, this season, you really, as you mentioned, has kind of gone back to Tommy's like his like his mental health, um, the the yeah. how it's all taken a toll on him over the years. We did see that a little bit in the start, but I suppose it's kind of a key point to to bring to because it can't all be running around shooting and running a successful business and looking like everything's great. No, and I think that's that. Was, it was a really smart idea. Killian was obviously really keen to play that because. It's very kind of uh, furtive territory for an actor um, to delve into that, especially a character that Killian has played for four seasons and knows inside out. So there was a lot of those conversations were very interesting to sit down and just discuss with Steve and with Killian. And then on the set, it was sort of really just guiding that process with Killian and making sure that, you know, he knew where he was going and we all knew what we wanted to achieve. Um, and then you know it was sort of the introduction of the reintroduction of, of um, Annabelle Wallace's character Grace mm. um, into that and I thought that was really smart and it was great that she agreed to come back um, and do those those themes because they're very powerful and um, and then to see her and do it all in camera um, and really play out the um, the, the sort of the inner world of Tommy is um, is always going to be interesting to watch. And they did it really, you did it really well in the sense that it wasn't like this ghost comes back that you see in all these, you know, cliche moments in different shows. Like, you you know, this is not, yeah. it's not like, ooh, here, here's Grace. It's more like Tommy's losing it and they only, he's using this to try and get Grace back in, into his life that's the only good side effect of, of losing his marbles I suppose for him and it's done in a clever way as opposed to a this is ridiculous way yeah well he kind of he he accesses her through um, you know he's, he's drinking laudanum yeah and um, I didn't want to do that you know like you say that kind of woo woo thing or you know you go to rain on the glass or something like that or all, all of a sudden it goes yellow or blue because it's a dream you know it all has to be real because for him it's real that's the I think that's the scary part of um, of hallucinating or believing that something is happening when it's not happening is that it is real because that's that's what um, most people who experience these um, these visions these apparitions feel is that it's it's happening it's real but that's what it needed to be and um, it makes it I think more freaky as well it, uh, yeah, it's a great moment. I love those. Um, I loved uh, making those those scenes. You know, I and can, the sound design has been a huge part of that as well. Yeah, the the tracks that go with it and the the musical elements of it kind of add to the the the, the moment. Yeah, and I think that's what you know. Those conversations with Anna Calvi, um, who uh, composed the score, were all about sort of accessing another part of his his headspace. You know, and then we kept. Um, kind of tapping back into that, especially then every time Grace arrived, we were using Anna Calvi's breath, and that sort of almost became like a theme for Tommy. Um, and I thought that was very smart of Anna to um, keep going back to that, and then we just played it over and over and over. And there's a sort of repetition to it, and um, uh, that, that I think helps access that side of his inner world. 
He's he's a, an incredible character, um, Tommy Shelby. Uh, like anyone who watches the show will know. Like you you love him despite everything he does, um, but you also you feel for him in different ways. But I I don't know if I'd feel that way if it was anybody but Killian playing him. Yeah, but I think the same can be said of um, you know Walter White and uh, and you know. That's very true. In Breaking Bad, you feel for him, and you're like, "Why am I feeling for this he man?" Does, he does like he does horrible things, but it, it you know we we're kind of in the age of the anti-hero. You know, it's uh, it's the characters that we kind of gravitate to. Um, you know, I mean, when we were growing up, it was like Luke Skywalker and Indiana Jones. You know, stuff mm. like that. And now it's Tommy Shelby and Walter White, Tony Soprano. Yeah, I suppose that is yeah, true. Kind of characters. But Killian plays him in a way that um, that you just you want to nearly give him a hug sometimes, and other times you want to give him a slap. Yeah, yeah, probably like <laughs> probably like most people in our lives. <laughs> True. No, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Nobody is perfect, but I I think the, the cast in general, actually, the cast and the crew um, on the show, each individually are are amazing um, and it has to be said there's obviously a huge Irish component to that as well yeah the Irish mafia uh, <laughs> yeah. strong in uh, Manchester <laughs> yeah it's um, yeah I, I actually I don't really know why that has happened um, other than you know we're really good at what we do and HODs and actors are super talented and you know if you're good, you're good, and that's really all that all that matters. I think, as far as anyone is concerned. Um, uh, but other than that, I I don't really have an answer for you. I I chatted to um Packy Lee, obviously, who plays Johnny Dogs in the show, and he's yeah. he's one of my favorite characters himself and Charlie. Um, yeah, great. Just because they're just they didn't they clearly at the start were not meant to be big characters, but because they were so loved, they transformed into you know much bigger roles um, and they're Tommy's obviously right hand he's Tommy's right hand man um, but he was saying it's very and you probably have witnessed this it's very strange for him he did a scene with um, Aidan Gillen and Killian I think it was in episode 2 this year where Aidan was after beating him yeah. up and they arrive at Tommy's house and they're all they've got the two different types of gypsy accents and then you've got Tommy's Birmingham accent but yet when they stop filming they all go back to Cork, Dublin and Belfast yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been a few of those moments where I've kind of gone. Actually, I remember saying that, and it may have been that scene. I said it to the first AD, who's a really close friend of mine, and I work with him all the time. But I said, um, I said, look, it's just Irish actors on the set right now. I said, isn't that amazing? <laughs> just a great moment. You know? And then you, obviously, as an Irish director, to stand there and be like, over this, what an amazing role it is. I, it, it shows, I suppose, the quality that we're producing here. Um, that we're now being recognised yeah, for abroad. There's a huge pool of um, of talent uh, that that is working over here um, and everywhere. Um, but I think I think it, I think there always has been, you know. But I think then a show like Peaky, um, it almost kind of in some ways feels like an Irish show, but it's obviously Birmingham games. <laughs> yeah, but Irish show with very thick Brummy accents. Yeah, exactly. But there's been great actors. There's, there's been great Irish actors who played over previous seasons. Tom Vaughan Lawler, who I think everybody probably regrets killing <laughs> off yes. in um, whatever season uh, he was in. And he's such a fine actor. And then, and obviously, Carl Shields, who sadly passed away recently, he was a great actor, um, was also in um, in an earlier uh, season maybe season one actually yeah I think it was season one because Grace yeah. was in it so it was I think it was around yeah, then yeah yeah she killed him is that right yeah anyway, she yeah, gangster herself great, um, yeah lots of great actors and then Peter Coonan has a, a very small role but he has um, he has some good stuff coming up um, in the next two episodes so yeah I mean it, it's great you know casting directors love Irish actors you, because uh, you worked on Love Hate as well for a while, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I had a great time. I did. Um, I did the end of season of season two, so it was the kind of uh, uh, the death of John Boy, the killing of John Boy, and, um, and Luke, who was a great character. 
I loved I loved working on that. And again, Stuart Carolyn, um, such an incredible writer. Mm. Um, like to create that world and again. I anti-heroes I mean Midge is a classic anti-hero uh, you know you love him and you're laughing with him and then you're appalled by him oh yeah like when Robert Sheehan is is calling him King, King Midge in one scene and you know you're like oh look there he is with his kid and he, it's very adorable and then in the next scene he's baiting somebody with a golf club or something you're just like oh, I still love him though so <laughs> Like to get to get the I suppose to see him on Peaky that I didn't know he was in it when I first watched it and um to see him pop up you're like oh Jesus there there's Nidge you know it's great to have it's a little bit of I suppose pride he, for he, us it's great yeah. mm. he's doing so well as well yeah it's, Peter Coonan was great in uh, France I loved working with him and watching um that character really kind of came into his own in um, in that sort of in those sort of episodes after Midge killed uh, Zinda. Oh, yeah. And I think one of my favourite scenes is in um, is in the pub where Midge goes to meet him and uh, and he has Linda too. <laughs> yes. You know, he's, he's, he's <laughs> about the universe, you know, it's the universe. And um, it's just like, it's hilarious, but it's completely bonkers. But completely bonkers, but um, brilliant. That's Stuart Carolyn, you know, he's a great, great writer. You've, you've, really, really you've been quite lucky then in the sense of the stuff that you have worked on because you also did Ripper Street um, so it's not like you've kind of had terrible stuff that you're like oh god I don't want anyone to remember that you've, you've really since you, you know, started I your mean, career a couple you've... of things <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things um, no I mean in the last in the last few years it's uh, yeah it has been it has been really good Ripper Street had such a good time and again all shot in Ireland, but you know, all Irish crew, um, a lot of Irish actors. Killian Scott um, works with him and on Ripper Street, and obviously in Love Hate, um, another really good actor. Um, yeah, you know, went went from Ripper Street to Make Darkness, and then on to Butterfly, which something I'm extremely proud of and um, that three-part drama with um, Anna Frio mm. uh, telling the story of a little boy who wants to be trans and you know that did extremely well and then yeah Emmett um, Scanlon was in that as well wasn't he yeah and I love Emmett he's such a fine actor and um, yeah and then I cast him in in Peaky and uh, yeah he's just the best so do you have do you, funny. do you have much of a like you're able to pick some people out and to, to cast them in certain roles like with with Emmett there coming into this season? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I mean I cast all of the guest roles. Um, Sam Claflin is a good friend, and um, I, I just hadn't seen Sam play um, somebody like that. You know, who is just. Uh, probably can't say what he is on the radio but <laughs> you know exactly what he is <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm thinking and um, I just hadn't seen him do that he he had done lots of kind of you know he's the romantic leader the hero and I was like well you know I think he'd be really uh, amazing to see somebody like Sam Claflin come in and play um, a villain who yeah is the kind of the worst kind of villain because he like I said earlier Tommy Shelby cannot defeat this man with um, with guns or violence um, and it's also he represents an ideology that is toxic and so he's like this virus you know yeah. just cannot stamp him out um, and so he has to find a new, another way to, um, to take him on um, so Sam Sam came in he was great Breen Gleeson again um, I knew Breen from single handed and I didn't work with him on Love Hate but I knew um, I knew him from that, so he was a he was a no brainer for me. Neil Maskell, um, who who plays Churchill, I'd worked with uh, years ago. So it was kind of going back through really great actors. But then people like Cosmo Jarvis was was a, a new actor uh, that I wasn't familiar with that I'd seen in Lady Macbeth, and I was wanted to work with him. And he comes in um, soon, and then Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, I mean, she's a star, uh, uh, just a bona fide uh, movie star, and 
and we were very lucky that um, she was available and wanted to come and, and do it and uh, you know and then became really good pals with her and then you know she wanted to work with me again so we did a music video for Hosier together and so it's kind of just sort of those sort of relationships that sort of stem out from other work and and I think that you know it's always a good way to to have those relationships with with good actors you know just you know good people want to work with good people and uh, you know that goes back to why we've probably got so many Irish people well, now your head is going to be melted when you come home next because everyone's going to realise that you can cast some people and they're going to be like, oh, do you remember me? Oh, I swear we were really good friends yeah. back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't remember. You're like, I've but never yeah. met you, but oh, okay. And they're all wanting that yeah, guest maybe. role. Exactly. Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's always more. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you have a favourite character that you love working with, like that you loved working with over the last season that kind of, between the actor and the character itself that you actually loved directing? Um, no, I don't really, to be honest. Um, I mean, Killian is just the perfect leading man. I mean, you couldn't ask for, um, you couldn't ask for a better actor, but also just everything that he brings to the set in terms of how prepared he is how focused he is um, there's no ego um, with Killian he's there to work and he wants it to be the best and so uh, any conversation is about well how can we make this better yeah. that's uh, that's exciting for me because we, 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 we have similar personalities and so uh, I think as an ally with uh, a leading man in a show um, we were super tight and very close and um, uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better collaborator, um, uh, actor, friend, all of those things, you know, to uh, to spend time with, or to spend that amount of time because it's a long it's a long shoot. I think sixteen weeks over seventeen or eighteen weeks or something like that. Yeah, that's a lot to be in the same company of and the same people. Yeah, you're you're. I mean, if you look at it, you're making it's essentially th- three feature films. You know. It's like six hours. It's a, it's quite intensive, and um, that work at that level. So, um, yeah, to have a partner like Killian um, is is a gift, really. And um, and then that sort of married with um, Steve Knight's uh, scripts is uh, it's a gift for any director. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of uh, how fortunate and um, and lucky I am. Uh, to get to work with all of these people. Yeah, that he's not coming in and throwing a diva's drop at you, <laughs> demanding no, around the place. No, never, <laughs> never had, uh, no, never one moment of, of tension or nothing like that at all. Uh, no, it was uh, it was great. Um, any conversation is just about really exploring the scene um, and making it better, you know. And Killian likes to work like in the moment. Um, so, we rehearse quite quickly and then you want to get into it and, and, and do it and, and do it on camera and he was very supportive of what I was doing and, and then I think I think if people start to see the the rushes uh, rushes are the footage that we shoot every day you know there's a certain amount of people have access to to view them online you know that feedback starts to come back and, and that support just kind of, uh, you know becomes greater and greater once people are seeing what you're what you're doing and um, and how different it is in a in a positive way. Mm. So um, you know, Killian is obviously uh, very much a part of that, and and also then very much a part of supporting what I am uh, trying to achieve. Um, so yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better collaborator, really. And do you, um, you know, when you, you said you had certain things that you wanted to bring into the season, this season, um, and you brought them to Killian and the execs and stuff. And do you still have stuff that you're like, I didn't get to bring that in this season, so I want it in season six. This is. No, I think that's the, um, I think that's really going to be the big challenge for me because I came in and threw everything at us. <laughs> you used all your best worked. ideas. And so now I'm kind of going now I have to go back and that's actually the, the sort of the bigger challenge but that was also why I wanted to then come back because creatively we need to 
find a new way to tell a story that you've um, you've already started telling, um, and not just do the same thing that you did before. Um, part of that will stem from uh, Steve's scripts, of which I've read a few for the next uh, season, and then partly it's it's the aesthetic of it um, that's sort of dictated by the scripts because I would never. I would never impose me on top of something else. I would always be serving the scripts and either elevating something. Um, and I suppose then I have a, a great relationship with um, Cy Bell, the director of photography, who I've worked with um, five or six times now on various projects. And um, it'll be conversations with him and then working with Anna Calvi um, on developing the score because the score is actually a large part of them or for me has become a large part of uh, of the show in this season and so you know you don't want to you don't want to do the same thing you need to sort of pivot and take it in another direction so i'm looking forward to that and those aspects of it yeah like no pressure the challenge no pressure whatsoever you know (laughs) yeah well i mean that's what everybody said the last time so at this stage i'm like it's fine because you know you notice I set that aside and you just have to go in your own in your own direction and do your thing but then I noticed that other certain people that would come onto the crew they were kind of um, they were kind of I suppose they felt this huge pressure of that it's Peaky Blinders and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's this and it's that and sort of take people aside and, and say look you've got to forget that and let that go and uh, else it's going to bury you you know and you won't be able to think about anything else because it's too much, you know. It's it's so much that you can It's like you just have to get it out of your brain. Yeah. And do the work as if you were on any other television series or movie. And and, and so that's kind of done. So now it's actually more fun because you're. Um, it's the continuation of a story, but you're also finding new ways to tell that story. But um, I assume you're, you're never going to let them get rid of the hats now. The hats have to stay. I think the hats have to stay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely have to stay. But it's all about, I mean, Alison Lakash, who's the costume designer and was nominated for a BAFTA last season, is supremely talented. And she really changed everything up from the first three seasons. Uh, she did season four. And, you know, just in the conversations with her, it's all about the silhouette, you know, and the structure. And so she was, uh, it was always about the line and, um, of uh, of those uh, characters, you know, especially yeah. Tommy Aiden as well as I mean, if you look at Abarama between this season and last season, he's much more clearly defined. And Killian, uh, we <laughs> we went with a new hat maker. <laughs> oh, controversial season uh, <laughs> as well. So if you actually look at the hats in the first three or four seasons, and then look at the peaky cap in season five they're much more structured they have a clearly defined shape and silhouette um, which is very beautiful on camera so I mean every aspect of that is um, is thought out and um, it, it, it's it's all very deliberate you know? I bet they, they didn't great great um, Taylor Ronnie Johnson in Dublin oh um, he's the master tailor who makes hand makes these suits I don't think anybody knows that. Wow. He's the hidden he's the hidden gem behind it all. He flies over and uh, takes everyone's measurements. And I even had one made for myself. And then goes back to Dublin and he's the guy who makes the suit and he is amazing. And you have a peaky suit now as well. I have my own peaky suit, yeah, based on a piece of fabric that I saw in Alison's um studio that I can't it may have been it may have been something that was for Arthur I don't know if it was made ultimately for Arthur actually mm. I think it was and um, Ronnie was back over uh, doing like a first fitting or something like that or doing final touch-ups for Killian and I got to take my measurement and had one made unreal like yes that's unreal because like you see all the yeah. young lads around town and like I even saw them at Electric Picnic there was lads there the peaky cap and they have the, the suits on but they're like 
piece together from bits that they probably had in their wardrobes and stuff like that. Or even stag parties that come over to Dublin come over in the peaky gear. But now you have an official yeah. one. So you're ahead of the game. Have, yeah, an official one. Yeah, ahead of the game. Yeah. So yeah, he's um, yeah he's one of the unsung heroes uh, publicly, but in our in our gang, he is uh, he's very much um, uh, a hero amongst us. But, um, yeah, he's a great man, and uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of um, sort of uh, put together peakies this weekend at the um, oh the festival festival in Digbeth. I'd say that's going to be great, crack. <laughs> I think so. I hope so, yeah. I hope so. We'll find out. Find out tomorrow. I see that Liam Gallagher is playing as well, or he's going anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> so yeah. a pal of yours now at this stage? Yeah, um, I don't know if we're pals. <laughs> uh, but we, I had a great time. 100% had a great time. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, video, I think it's something that um, that he hadn't done a video like that before. Don't think he'd been that vulnerable before, which I thought was interesting. Mm. And um, uh, you know, Steve Knight again wrote the script uh, for that and asked me to direct it. And um, you know, we spent two days in Manchester with uh, with Elaine, and which in itself was a real kind of um, a bit of a privilege and a bit of a kind of fly in the wall um, you know to be in Manchester with one of the sons of Manchester um, at a particular time in his life um, and, and going back down those streets with him um, was, uh, was was pretty unique as an experience and you know just to sort of sit there with him you know, and obviously we're we're chatting away between um, shooting, and as we're driving around Manchester, and he's pointing out different places that are either there or they used to be there, or they're not there anymore, and telling stories, and um, and so yeah, just to have sort of access uh, like that for a couple of days was um, was pretty special, and I'm very proud of that that video. I think it's a, a really beautiful um, little piece. Yeah, it's very, it's very different. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is. I, again, it's you know, it's it's sort of Steve's writing, my interpretation of Steve's writing, and then Liam was very um, open to doing, you know, everything that I wanted to do. You know, he he was really great to collaborate with. There was no, um, you know, there was no, there wasn't really a lot of conversation about it. He was he was he was up for for doing everything that we wanted to do. And um, uh, and Debbie, his partner, his, his manager as well, uh, was there, and she was she was amazing. They were they were really great. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I can... came together really quickly. You know, that's a story. I imagine that's going to be a, um, a couple of days that everybody's going to ask you about in terms of like just your mates and all, just being like, what's he like? Did he mention Noel? Did he do this? Did he yeah. throw? Us? Like, it's the sort of people that are obsessed with Liam Gallagher, obsessed with him. Yeah, they really are, and and I understand it as well. I mean, I, I am a fan, um, and uh, you know, I've always always liked their music, and I think I thought his last solo album was really strong. I think it was great tracks, and I've heard his new album. I was sent that a couple of months ago, and um, and it's fantastic. It's really really great. Um, I think it's it's better than uh, the last one. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, just. Yeah, there has been a lot of people asking. You, you're, you're living uh, a dream for a lot of people. You're like working with the biggest actors in the UK and Ireland. You're hanging out with Liam Gallagher to make music videos. Like life's tough we had today, isn't it? <laughs> it's going all right at the minute. You know, it's been uh, it's a, it's a long it's a long journey to 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 get here, and I am keenly aware of um, of where I am and what I'm doing and and. And what it's taken to get here, and so while it might on the outside look <laughs> as, as you've described, <laughs> and, and there's a truth to that, and you know it's been a lot of years of um, trying to figure it out, and uh, you know it's snakes and ladders mm. uh, to a large degree. But you know I have I, I'm very lucky to have very good people around me, and. Uh, who have got me in the right room and got me in the right places and 
and you know I would always acknowledge that you know you cannot do it alone that's um, that's really the, the truth of it you need other people to um, believe in you and support you and help you get there and um, so I think that is uh, uh, you know and you just got to be be kind be decent and um, and be talented and be patient if it's not happening and um, it will at some point yeah i imagine it's not there's, like uh, there's some advice <laughs> there who's sitting out there going i want to do that yeah it is not easy it's not easy at all i imagine like you finish you know if you if you went to college or whatever or you starting out as a director it's not like you get offered a job like peaky blind straight away it's a it's a hard slog to get the first job i imagine let alone the big jobs i think there's like there's really there's two ways of doing it, the the first is that you come out of film school or whatever or whatever route you've taken, and you make something that sort of strikes a chord, and um, where you know taps into something, and you you hit that sort of slipstream, and you're and you're gone, and you get all of the opportunities. A lot of people that get those opportunities, they then kind of on the second one tend to kind of make the big mistake that sort of sets them back. But you established yourself, and you're there. You're going to be fine. And then anybody else, it's kind of you just have to do the work, you know, and put in the time and and do it. And I was very much um, on that track of sort of working, sitting and waiting and being patient and being frustrated and getting pissed off. And, you know, then slowly things start to happen. You know, you meet uh, you meet a you meet the right person at the right time. who then sort of changes something and then you, you move into the next. The next level you know um, but it, it is really it can be a waiting game it can be very frustrating um, but uh, it does take time and I can remember actually my dad when I was when I was a teenager and the field I think had just come out or we'd just gone to see the field and um, my dad saying you know I, I wanted to be a director by then for years I knew that I wanted to do it I remember my dad saying, you know, just so you know, Jim Sheridan is like 37 or 38 or whatever age he was when the field came out. And he was like, you know, it might take time, you know, for this to sort of happen. Um, and he was already coming off the success of My Left Foot. Mm. And so at the time, I didn't really pay much attention to that because um, I was much younger and I was like, nah, don't worry about it. I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, is that it does take time. Um, you know, uh, well, it's kind of like you're in your mid-30s by the time you're um, you're kind of uh, you're doing it, you know. You also need to find your voice as a, as a filmmaker and know what the stories are that you want to tell and then sort of stick to that and, uh, and find either pieces of material that are important to you. But I think one of the biggest flaws in film schools, probably everywhere, um, but it's something that I think the film board and uh, film schools should be doing more is um, is pairing uh, writers with directors much earlier in mm. the process and sort of um, building those relationships early because most directors are not writers and most writers are not directors and you need to find somebody who either has a voice and you go, oh, that's a story, let's, let's do that and learn from each other and I don't think that happens. I think I think in film school you're it's you know the theory and then it's practical and you're watching movies and you want to be a director and you're understanding how to direct, but then you come out and you don't have a screenplay because you don't have a uh, because you're not a writer and then you don't have a relationship with a writer and then you're scrambling around trying to find that script and that should be that should be happening at day one. Yeah. That's a, it's a good point, I suppose. It's a it's a way of looking at it because then you'll automatically go into your career thinking about the other side of things, not just your own. Yeah. You should be thinking about story. You should be thinking about structure. Most of most well, a lot of what I end up doing is either working with writers or sitting down reading scripts and writing notes. And it was really much later after I'd started making short films and and had made like TV dramas that. I was sitting down and and studying structure and 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 writing and understanding it on a deep level and I think um, that should be happening at the very sort of uh, beginning of film school. I think you know I think the film board need to be sort of 
focusing on pairing young directors with up-and-coming writers and uh, and starting that relationship much earlier than uh, than it happens. Yeah, we could be seeing directors sort of yeah they come out of film school and they're like, well, I'm a director, and it's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what are you directing there then? <laughs> Yeah, you need that script, so you need the relationship. If you're not able to write it yourself, um, uh, and again, like I said, you need other people, so it's not like you write your script and you just go, oh, my script is amazing. Yeah. You, know, you need people who are going to be straight with you and honest with you and um, um, and help you. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you'll remember then down the line when you're making something then. You'll remember that person who was honest with you and... And then, and then yeah. you could be a director where you can cast people and you can say, All right, come on, come along with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's really then building those relationships. Exactly. And like that's obviously has worked for you moving into the likes of Peaky Blinders, having these relationships you've had in the past. And how many episodes now have we got left? Two, is it? Two. Yes. Yeah. So the big finale is next weekend. Yeah, it's next weekend, and uh, yeah, episode five is uh, episode five is, is really great, and uh, yeah, the opening of five is um, is pretty pretty amazing. I think it goes. I think I think it open with a I think it's a four and a half minute single shot. Um, so uh, yeah, quite intense then. Pretty great to um, yeah, it's pretty full on. Yeah, full on. But the one thing about Peaky Blinders is that we all agree, all the fans are, we're like, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm not saying a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. The fans are agreeing the same. They're like, I don't want to know anything. It's great. It's also it's one of the few shows that you are watching like week by week. You know? Yeah. Everything else just drops. <laughs> yeah. You get all of the episodes. Um, so I'm quite enjoying getting a weekly hit. It's a nice payoff having spent 16 months I probably I would have hated to spend sixteen months on something and then they just put all of the episodes out on the same day and it's done. Yes. You know, in a moment and it's like, oh hang on a second, what? Oh but um yeah. It's a pain as a viewer because if you don't watch it like the in the day, if you're not off that day to bulk watch it, you then have to avoid spoilers for like a week. It's like batting well, them away. Yeah. You're like, Go away, people, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> So um, well, I'm, lots of people who've gotten in touch saying that they they haven't watched it yet and they're waiting until the sixth one goes out because they want to binge, watch, them all. Ah, oh, see, I like the anticipation. At the end of it, going. Yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. What's going to happen next? Yeah, and you're like, no, he can't. Uh, you're like, no, Tommy, don't or whatever. He's screaming, and then it's like ends, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I have to wait till next now Sunday. Yeah. Now we sit, we wait. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's a nice way to to do it. It's almost like old school at this stage, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased about that. Well, I'm very excited to watch it. Two, two Sundays. I'm I'm very excited to watch Thank the you. finale. Thank so you. it'll be. I, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be huge and massive and make us want more. And I'm glad to hear that season six is already starting. But I'm guessing it won't be out for quite a long time yet. Well, not as long as the gap between four and five. Um, I think that's that was something that everybody was kind of keenly aware of. Um, I think two years was the longest between yeah um, the seasons. So no, I mean we're we're in it now. Um, I go back up to Manchester. I think in end of October, something like that, and we'll start shooting in uh, early next year. Well, look, if you're looking for that. any any extras, I can I can pull a pint in the Always. background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of those claps is real, but it's non-alcoholic. I'll look. I'll serve that to Arthur. It'll be fine. I I won't mind at all. I'll I'll make sure it looks authentic. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get it wrong for Arthur. No, I I'll end up getting a glass across the head or something. So yeah, I'll make sure if yeah, exactly. it'll be perfect for you. Um, but listen, Anthony, it was an absolute pleasure, and I can't believe how long I've kept you on the phone. My God, you must be dying to go and have a cup of tea or something. Yeah, a cup of tea would be great. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to me and I really hope you enjoyed it. Do scroll back and see if there's anything else that you might enjoy. And before I let you go, do remember to come and find me on my new podcast, Tis Yourself. Again, talking to celebrities, this time a lot more in depth. So there might be longer episodes there. And we're talking about what was life like before they became famous, the different alternative roads they could have went down how life changed for them the, for good and bad and so, so, so much more. And of course, the thing that they're best known for. So come and find me, Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden. And I really hope you'll enjoy the new episodes. They're up to date. They're brilliant. There's some great people there. And I'd love your support. So please do come find us. That's Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden.